today is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned you win. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. All right, settle down, settle down. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And I have a treat for you today in the first hour. Sat down and had a conversation once again with... Negotiation expert, and that's putting it mildly, and prolific author. He's columnist for multiple, multiple conservative outlets and thinking outlets that are middle of the road. And, of course, he has written multiple books on the topic of negotiation. He now has built up his personal library of four political Books, however. Now, he's been on to talk about these books in the past. We have uh, seen nearly all of them uh, in Lives We Trust, uh, Tyranny of the Minority, Trump's Turn, and now his brand new recently released book, America on Its Knees The Cost of Replacing Trump with Biden. I uh, sat down and had a long conversation with him. We ended up talking for better than 40 minutes, and I'm going to bring that to you. Now, if you've been watching my social media uh, platforms, then you have seen that I took to Rumble and released a video 
literally the night of that conversation, uh, he was so thrilled with the interview, and I wanted to try to help promote the book. So I uh, put up uh, a little video bit on uh, on Rumble. Primarily, it is that interview with some visuals from various websites of his, including pictures of the four books. Now, we're going to air that interview here today. Now, if you happen to not be on Rumble, but you'd like to see a video of just that interview, I have, as of last night, went ahead and updated it also to BitChute, and then I broke down and went ahead and put it up on YouTube. And I am in the midst of syncing my YouTube account for the show with Odyssey. So if you're on any of those other video platforms, whether it's Rumble, which I'm heavily encouraging a lot of you go to Rumble, and uh, if you're on BitChute or if you're on Odyssey, well, then very soon all of that will be available on Odyssey. It's already up now and available on both YouTube, Tap into the Truth, and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and of course over on BitChute. But it has been up on Rumble for several days. And speaking of Rumble, Rumble has a strategic partnership with locals, and I have decided that we are going to move a lot of Tap Into The Truth content onto Locals. So if you will come find the Tap Into The Truth community over at Locals.com, I would greatly appreciate it. Come join, be a part of the community as we help to, uh, to grow the community there. And I will be doing some exclusive content just for Locals only. That will be behind a very tiny, tiny dollar amount paywall. If you are a member of the community, and you become a, what is the terminology there? If you go ahead and sign up for a subscription, uh, it, it will be um, just, yeah, we'll, we'll do some some content that's exclusive there. That's, that's really what I'm trying to get to. Now, since the interview did run long and, and all these other things, I didn't want to get too much into other topics beforehand. It's certainly longer than the usual half-hour bit. Like I said, nearly 40 minutes. So I want to go ahead and take a little time right now to remind you that if you haven't already, it is a very good time to get yourself situated for summertime outings. And there are two companies, two companies, that are absolutely outstanding to help you be prepared for going out and enjoying summertime activities. And, you know, I'm concerned about upcoming food shortages so the sooner you do this the better and these things will actually be pretty handy for you if you make some of these purchases after the food shortages occur uh item number one blue coolers yes yes i know you're thinking the cooler what do you need a cooler for uh if we also end up having a situation where you need to carry uh, food and keep it good for longer and your power goes out or if you're having to travel for some reason a molded cooler is your best bet because it will keep your stuff cold it will keep ice frozen for up to 10 days and blue coolers is absolutely the highest quality out there it is literally on par with that other brand that everybody talks about you know the one the uh, himalayan sasquatch brand you know the one i'm talking about Every bit as good as they are, but at roughly half the cost. So what could be better, having that high quality level 
and spending a lot less money. Plus, right now, if you follow the link in the show description, it will take you to the Blue Cooler's website, and you will find other great discounts available for your purchase right now. Discounts on shipping, discount on packaging and bundling, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. So just go visit. I ask you to use the description, uh, the link in the show description, because that way they know I am the one who sent you. So it goes from a win-win for you and for Blue Coolers, because you know now they're going to have a, a new customer that will swear by them. Uh, you'll have a great new cooler, or maybe even multiple items, and uh, I, I'll get a tiny finder speed. So it's a good thing. Now, the other company I want to talk about, well, it's Fire and Flavor. They have the Hero Grill System, the only true easy to transport outdoor food grilling system. Plus, they have a ton of accessories to go with everything from specialized charcoals to uh, wood planks for you to prepare on uh, if you're looking for specialty food and, and taste flavor profiles and uh, a lot of other great uh, additions like rubs and seasonings, things of that nature. Uh, so again, uh, visit Fire and Flavor by the link in the show description. And if you've done that, congratulations. Once again, you've cut me in on the action and you haven't hurt yourself any at all. Trust me, it's worth at least checking out. Uh, go visit the website, see what all they've got going on. Just check it out for yourself. That's all I'm saying. And in the meanwhile, guess what? Only good things will happen. All right, let's uh, let's let that be that, and we will slide into a quick quick break here momentarily. But before we do that, I want to remind you again: we are still doing the giveaway of AJ Wright's new book, *The Woking Dead*. We're getting closer and closer to that release date. It's at the end of July. Uh, I want to remind you guys that you can still get involved with the, the chance to be part of the drawing for a free copy. Uh, all you have to do is share links to this show, uh, the show itself, and, and let me know in that uh, social media post. Uh, go ahead and tag me in it or tag the show. Either way, uh, if the show has the presence on that social media platform wherever you're at, we are on Truth Social now as well. Now that they have the desktop uh, capabilities, uh, the, the version of the site up and going, signed up on that as soon as I heard that was available. So Tap Into the Truth is on Truth Social. Uh, and like I mentioned, we've recently expanded into locals, so I'm inviting everybody to visit us at locals.com. So A.J. Rice, The Woking Dead, uh, definitely going to be next on your list of books to pick up. Uh, if you're not if you're not even thinking about it yet, follow the link in today's show description. Going to be a lot of links in today's show description. Uh, follow the link in today's show description. It will take you to the pre-order page at Amazon and just check it out. Read the description, see what's going on, and by all means, uh, if you are so moved, go ahead and pre-order your copy because who knows if you're going to have a, a legitimate chance of uh, winning a free copy. But don't give up because if you buy your own and then you help to promote the show, help to promote the book, and end up being one of the great winners, uh, then uh, then you got two copies. So now you got one you can give away as a gift. So, hey, there you go. All right. Uh, quick reminder also, you can find us on all these other platforms. All right. The show itself is uh, available. You know, I talk about podcasts on a, a regular basis, but you can also find the show on uh, SoundCloud. 
You can find the show on Rumble. You can find the show as soon as the link uh, finishes syncing uh, on Odyssey. Uh, I do not have the show uh, designated to show up on BitChute, so over there what you're going to get is special things that I have put together on BitChute. But if you're on part of these, just come find Tap Into The Truth. It'll be well worth your uh, time. And if you're a fan of the show and you like being on one of those platforms uh, better than going to, I don't know, say Stitcher.com, for example, if you... If you prefer listening on SoundCloud over Stitcher, then uh, you can listen to us there, and you're just as welcome to do so. All right. Now, let's go ahead and take that early break, and uh, then we will play the interview with Ed Brodow. So don't go anywhere, guys. We will be right back after these brief, brief messages. Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned According to certain very concerned people, our freedoms are soon to be doomed. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, you want in your cup. Ever since the founding of the United States of America, there has been a sinister cluster of Masonic globalist pigs seeking to kill, steal from, and destroy this land of liberty. Eventually, they formed the Democrat Party of slavery, urban slums, Jim Crow, and today's flat-out communism. So now Democrats, along with rhino Republicans, are alleged to be allied with the World Health Organization that, according to some, weaponized the Corona China virus in order to eliminate our unalienable rights and overthrow America's national sovereignty. Without the permission of we the people, by the way, the Biden regime signed over our medical decision-making authority to the World Health Organization. The Democrats and rhinos are united with the World Health Organization's plot to enact a permanent state of emergency throughout the United States and the world, all because the elites like Charles Schwab, Bill Gates, and others seek to either enslave or eliminate us. To that I say, no way, Jose. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee... Go to theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. And it is now my honor and privilege to welcome back to the show Mr. Ed Brodal. You know him as the negotiation boot camp guru. This man is a internationally known negotiation expert. You have probably by now had a chance to read some of his political books, uh, books like In Lives We Trust and Tyranny of the Minority and uh, Trump's Turn. And now, brand new, just out this month, it is America on its knees, the cost of replacing Trump with Biden. Uh, Ed, first of all, Thank you so much for giving up some of your very valuable time and joining me tonight. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I, it's been long overdue. We never even got a chance to get together to talk about Trump's turn. That's how long it's been since we've gotten together. Been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. So how are you tonight, sir? I'm just great. 
All right. Well, glad to hear it. Really excited about the book. You, you sent me a digital copy up front. So good. I went ahead and bought a, a physical copy so I can share and make sure that I have that privilege to, to give those high marks in the review over on Amazon so that folks will know the truth about it because we know how Amazon tries to kind of shadow ban the conservative books. But uh, it's a fantastic book. Right off the gate, you start talking about the dangers that we're facing right in the introduction. You talk about higher taxes, gas prices, food prices, inflation, illegal immigration, violence on the street, uh, divisive racial politics, uh, censorship across the board, cancel culture. Uh, Ed, couldn't you have been wrong about at least one of these things? I could have been, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I mean, it, it's really, it's horrible what's going on. And all, all of the things that you just mentioned can be attributed to one thing, and that is the replacement of a really good president, Donald Trump, with a really bad president, Joe Biden. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that. Uh- I, I, I jump in. I see all these things. You're making a great case every step of the way, too. Um you call Donald Trump the American Churchill. Is that a legitimate comparison, and how so? Well, yeah. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think it was legitimate. Um, it's a wonderful book by uh, Victor Davis Hanson, uh, where I got this idea of comparing uh, Trump to Churchill. Um, Hanson talks about the tragic, the classic tragic figure. Uh, And you see it uh, like Patton, General Patton is another example. Uh, A guy who was sort of an outsider who uh, everybody in the beginning thinks he's crazy, but he turns out to be the one person who can solve the problem of the day. And that's what happened with Trump. You know, they all uh, came down on him like a ton of bricks and he didn't know what he was doing and blah, blah, blah. Turned out he was right about everything. He turned the country around after eight disastrous years with uh, Obama, who hated Obama hates this country, and tried to take it down. And uh, Trump was was able to turn it around, which was just amazing. He brought the economy back. He solved the problem on the border. He, he even solved the, the Middle East. He had Middle East peace uh, going in ways that we've never seen before. So Trump, everybody in the country was better off under Trump. And then the voters did something that is just unbelievable. They voted him out. And who did they vote in? They voted a man who is incompetent, who is cognitively challenged, which is a nice way of saying that he's senile, and who is totally corrupt. Yeah. And what, what does Biden do from the beginning? He decides he's going to reverse all of the good things that Trump did. Now, that's to me, that's a new definition of stupid. I mean, <laughs> everything was going great, and Biden decides he's going to turn everything around. So that's why we've got the worst inflation in 40 years. Uh, the gas price, I just read that the gas prices, uh, they're predicting they could go up to $10 or more per gallon. Yeah. I mean, this is all because of, of Biden's policies. Uh, we've got millions millions of unvetted illegal immigrants pouring into the country and and Biden is shipping them around in secret they don't tell anybody what they're doing but the, we know that they're they're flying them around on military aircraft uh 
to various parts of the country and dropping them off. I mean, this is total insanity. So the country right now uh, is hurting very, very badly, and uh, it's all it's all on Biden. Yeah. Well, I mean, the point you're making there is a very good one. It's one that uh, I've been trying to make uh, quite frequently. We have literally went from a situation in our country where it used to be the only people who really cared about what was going on at the southern border were the communities and towns that were right on the southern border, and then it had spread to the point where the cartels were running operations, kidnapping, running drugs, and all kinds of other things uh, deep into the border uh, states. And now literally every place in America is a border town. Every place in America is a border state because of these actions. But I want to kind of take a step back because you touched on a couple of things that I wanted to ask you. you. You literally asked the question, how did Biden get elected? And then you explain your idea. So uh, expand on that a little bit. How did Joe Biden get elected? Well, there was this tremendous um, anger at Trump, what, what they call Trump uh, derangement syndrome. And it was not, it was not based on, on fact. It was based on people's emotions. A lot of people just didn't like the man. And as a result of that, along comes Biden. Biden, on the surface, seems like a very, uh, he seems like your uncle. His Uncle Joe. He's a nice guy. So people felt better about voting for this guy rather than voting for a competent man like Trump. Now, I also talk about the, the tooth fairy. Is that, are you alluding to the tooth fairy? Uh, well, yeah, you you do mention that. In well, the- let me yeah, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, children have like the tooth fairy, Santa Claus, and when you become an adult, uh, eventually you know you stop believing in the tooth fairy, you stop believing in Santa Claus. But wouldn't it be nice if those things were real? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a tooth fairy? Wouldn't it be nice if Santa Claus came every Christmas? And I think that a lot of people. Uh, looked at, at uh, Joe Biden as being a, a uh, an embodiment of the tooth fairy. He was this really wonderful, wonderful guy that came along, and he was going to solve everything. We're not sure how. We don't know how, but we have this sort of gut feeling, isn't he wonderful, just like the tooth fairy. Unfortunately, we have to live in the, in the adult world, and in the adult world there is no tooth fairy. And Joe Biden is not wonderful Uncle Joe. Joe Biden is a very dangerous man. Um, Unlike Obama, Obama was ideological. He believed in all the stuff he was doing. Uh, Joe Biden only cares about power. But he has allowed himself to be taken over by the extreme left wing of the Democratic Party. Now, why is that bad? It's bad because... The left wing of the party wants to destroy the country. They want to destroy all of our values. They want to, they want to eliminate free speech, uh, respect for the individual, no more. Uh, the rule of law, no more. Private property, no more. Uh, they really want to, they want to destroy all of the, the institutions in the United States. And Joe Biden has become a tool for that movement. And that's the real big danger that's posed. And if we don't do something about it in the upcoming elections, 
uh, they're going to get away with it, and the United States will disappear. Uh, the United States that we all know and love will just disappear. And what we'll have instead is Venezuela. Yeah, yeah it is very frightening. Uh, you also mentioned Biden's appearance of dementia. Uh, I, I think it's difficult to argue that he's not suffering from some level of it. Uh but in the book, you literally talk about the two faces of Biden in, in an effort to try and figure out, is he this doddering uh, old individual who's sliding into senility uh, faster and faster by the day? Or is he some kind of political genius where he gets to do these things and in the end people won't hold him accountable? What, what do you mean – in your own words, about the two faces of Biden, and which one do you think is his true face? Well, what, what occurred to me, I mean, I'm watching this guy doing everything wrong. He looks like he can't even put two words together. Uh, he, the people he appoints are terrible. Every, any, whatever the, the issue is, he'll make the wrong decision. But I thought to myself, nobody could be that incompetent. So maybe the truth lies in the opposite direction. Maybe this guy is really a genius. A political genius. And he's got us all thinking that he's a doddering old fool, when in reality he really knows exactly what he's doing, and he's very smart. So those are the two choices. Now, what's, what's, you ask, what is my conclusion? Yeah. I, I have to conclude that he's really a doddering old fool. <laughs> I can't help it. I, I, I just, you know, I, it just, it's, but it's still, even as I say that, I find it hard to believe that a man like that could wind up in the White House. It's just, it's just unreal. But there it is, and I think we have to, we have to come to grips with that. I think there are millions of people that just haven't come to grips with that yet. Uh, I got into a discussion with one of my neighbors on the street recently, and, and she believes everything that you hear on CNN and MSNBC uh, and the New York Times, you know, that Biden is really, Biden is the honest one. She said, and, and Trump was a liar. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that they're putting out there. But the fact is, uh, Biden is an inveterate liar. Um, half the time, he doesn't even know what he's talking about anyway. Uh, he is not, he's not the one that's running the country. And that's what scares the hell out of me. Because, frankly, I don't know who's running the country. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it Obama? Is he behind the throne? Is it George Soros? Is it Ron Klain? Uh, is it Susan Rice? We don't know. All all we know is it's, it's not Biden. Yeah, I mean, that, that should scare the hell out of everybody. It, it should. And we've seen evidence of this on multiple occasions. We go back to uh, these uh, – settlements, these court settlements that were going to be offered to some of these illegal uh, border migrants who had been uh, sent back when they were separated. Uh, he, had, When he was asked about that, he was like, there's no way that would happen. And then they had to walk that back. And, and it's like, clearly, he had no idea. I think that's one of the most in-your-face moments of this guy does not know what's happening at all. He, he's reading the teleprompter, and they they desperately hope he doesn't get off track. But you know, I, I also think that regardless of who it is that's actually running the show, I think it's pretty fair to say that while Trump was undoubtedly the most America first president we have ever had, uh, I mean, I think he even challenges George Washington, and I, that's a pretty high bar to challenge for America first. Uh, I think it's also pretty clear and fair to say that the Biden administration, Biden-Harris, clearly 
America last. A- am I wrong at all in that assessment? No, absolutely right. That's that's uh, that's one of the points of my book. That it is America last. And and you know the unfortunate thing about about Trump, Trump didn't have to run for president. Trump was extremely successful human being, but he believes in the country. He believes in our values. And he comes into Washington, which, as I point out in the book, is run by the deep state, the deep state being the uh, unelected bureaucrats that have been appointed who are, have lifetime jobs, and they're all Democrats. And, and all of a sudden, in comes this outsider who wants to you know, clean up the swamp, and they are the swamp. So everybody was against him, and they did everything they could to destroy him. But the fact is, he was the one breath of fresh air in our political reality. For uh, he, he was able to uh, cut through all of that and get so much done in spite of all of the, the uh, uh, attacks against him. So I, I think he's an amazing man. I also think uh, if you follow his decision-making throughout the four years— Every major decision that he made was correct. Yeah. Everything was correct. I remember it started out during the campaign where he said that uh, Sweden has, has a terrible problem because of uh, illegal immigration, uh, immigra- Muslim immigration, and the country is being taken apart. And uh, the, the Swedish government denied it. Everybody said, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And it turned out he was absolutely right. Sweden has become the rape capital of Europe. And from then on in, every major decision that he made was, was correct. So I, I have a tremendous amount of confidence in his ability. And uh, personally, I hope, he, I hope he runs in 2024. Uh, he'll get my vote. Uh, if he doesn't run, we've got to find somebody who is just as strong as he is, who can stand up to this deep state, because that's the real problem. The deep state... These people want to take down the, the, the United States as we know it. And uh, Biden represents that. Biden has fallen for that. Really very sad to see this happen to a country like the United States. Everybody wants to come here, you know, not because it's a terrible country or a racist country or all the things they say. They want to come here because it's the best country in the world. But yeah. the, the, the left... Uh, the left and the Washington establishment, no, they, they think this is a, this is a terrible country. Uh, they're telling us that uh, Americans are terrible, white people especially. Uh, white, there's, there's, a, there's a, uh, uh, an inquisition going on right now against white people. I mean, it's unbelievable that they're getting away with this, with critical race theory. And uh, Black Lives Matter, which is a, a Marxist criminal organization, but people are falling for it. A woman that I know who was uh, a white woman, who I've known for 20 years, she, she said to me when she found out I was critical of Black Lives Matter, she said, what has happened to you? I thought you were a loving person, <laughs> you know, and the implication was that I'm a racist. Right. But if you look at the facts, uh, I'll, I'll stand by the facts. Um, the facts indicate that these organizations are uh, criminal, anti-American, Marxist organizations, uh, you have Antifa, you you, you know the, the people that want to want to destroy the institutions, and it's it's happening right now with with the Supreme Court. Uh, these people that want to protest at the homes of the Supreme Court justices. 
I mean, that is ter- not only is it a terrible thing, it's illegal. Yeah. It's, there's, it's, there's a law that says you're not, you're not allowed to do it. And yet we have a Justice Department that, that refuses to enforce that law, just as they refuse to enforce the, the law, uh, the immigration law that we have. And if we enforced the laws we have on the books for immigration, we would never have an open border like we have right now. Oh yeah, and they won't enforce the law. And it would absolutely cut down on the number of people who are trying to cross illegally, because uh, the laws that are still on the books say quite clearly: uh, if you're caught having illegally crossed, then you will never be eligible for any level of uh, uh, green card status or uh, eventual citizenship. And that alone would deter a lot of these folks. And they need to understand: there's not a free ride here. Absolutely, and. and what I found interesting, too, is you spend a huge section of the book talking specifically about the racial politics. Uh, you talk a lot about, as you just mentioned, uh, BLM Global Incorporated. You talk about the rise of what you call uh, black privilege. You talk a lot about CRT. And you talk about how cancel culture is being used as a club to try and force people to accept all of it. But in their effort to demand Equity, which is their new little catchphrase, uh, something that has just stuck in my craw since the beginning. I, I've got that old school economics uh, definition of equity in my mind. So correct me if I'm wrong, Ed. Uh, I always thought that equity was something of value and something that you had to earn in some fashion. And doesn't human nature tend to devalue anything that is just given? Yeah, well, you see, that, what the left does is they, they have perverted simple words, like diversity. Great idea, diversity, but the, the left has, diver, has perverted the meaning of diversity. So now it means, instead of meaning that you have a lot of you know, respect for people of different cultures, now diversity means fewer white people. <laughs> it means you have to give priv- special privileges to minorities and women. Um, and it's the same thing with equity. Equity is a lovely word. But the way that they've used it now, uh, equity refers to equality of outcome. I, I should explain that for the people who are listening. Equality means, as we have used it, means equality of opportunity. So if you work hard in this country, regardless of who you are, what, what color you are, what your background is, where you come from, you can be very successful in this country. Everybody has opportunity. But when they talk about equity, they don't, they're not talking about opportunity. They, they want the outcome to be the same. So everybody has the same income, the same kind of job, the same neighborhood. Uh, everything has got to be the same. And in order to do that, we have to give special privileges to, to blacks and Hispanics and women. And, and uh, that in itself is discriminatory. But they're getting away with it because they're saying, oh, you know, equity is, is really – we're really looking to, to, to do what's right by people. But it's, 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 it's a falsehood. Uh, it's a lie. And um, the only way that we can ever have equality of outcome is if we have a, a totalitarian government like the Soviet Union. That's the only way because as soon as you – you know, you could, you could have everybody equal at, at, the, at the outset – Circumstances are going to be different for different people, and inequality is going to is going to occur. That's just a natural thing in life. 
You know, you don't have no two fingerprints are alike. No two snowflakes are alike. This is nature. There is a certain amount of inequality that happens naturally. So we can't guarantee equity. We can't guarantee equality of outcome. All we can do is try to guarantee that everybody has the same opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that government can guarantee when it comes to outcomes is to make sure everyone is equally miserable. That's not the kind of equity I want. I certainly hope it isn't what they want. Uh, straightforward, blunt question, Ed. In the United States of America, is there such a thing as systemic racism? Is there such a thing as systemic racism? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, no. And what's interesting is, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a white male. So they will say, oh, well, what does Ed know? He's a, he's a racist white male. But you look at leading black thinkers like Thomas Sowell, uh, Shelby Steele. Uh, I, I mention a bunch of them in the book. They all say the same thing. And that is that, that uh, systemic racism, racism is a thing of the past. Uh, Maybe in you know in 1950 we had systemic racism, but uh, there was a thing called the, the civil rights movement that occurred in, in the 1960s, and that was over 50 years ago, and the whole the whole thing changed. So we don't have systemic racism anymore, but the left wants to make us believe that we have it, so that they can divide us, and when they divide us, they can hopefully then take power. So. The, the, the business of systemic racism and, and uh, white uh, supremacy, that, that's a ruse. And very interesting right now, they're, they're uh, talking about white supremacy. Um, they're, they're calling people like uh, Tucker Carlson white supremacists. Uh, this is just a way of marginalizing people who are, are really uh, – Tucker Carlson is the least – racist person you will ever find he's, he's not a, a white supremacist this is crazy uh they also want to the, the guy the, this this crazy guy that just shot all those people in buffalo they're saying that that was because of white supremacy no he was not a white supremacist he was psychotic hmm. and there's a big difference yeah. but they want to make everybody think oh you know, it was white supremacy. That was, that's that's the uh, the president himself, Biden himself, has said the the the, the biggest thing that we uh, uh, that we have to fear right now is white supremacy and uh, domestic terrorism. And who does he define as being a domestic terrorist? Republicans, conservatives. So he wants to take half the country, more than half the country, and marginalize them, and call all of us. Domestic terrorists. Yeah. And this is the president of the United States. Unbelievable. Yeah, he wants to marginalize people like you and me, Ed. He wants to make sure nobody's listening to my radio show. He wants to make sure nobody's buying your books. He's afraid that when people have a chance to read the reality and even just try to decide for themselves, they might get into that wrong thing. Uh, I've got a few more topics that I definitely have to cover with you. So if you don't mind, I'm going to hold you a little longer than we first discussed. And I want to use that opportunity to jump into another point because you talk about censorship in a lot of ways. Now, we just got the official pause of the uh, disinformation guidance board. Uh, the fact they're using the word pause means that 
Watch out, folks. They're not done with the idea yet. But talk a little bit about how we've got the Biden-Harris administration working to censure specifically politically uh, right enemies of theirs, their critics, and even people like you and me who have not a specific bone to grind with them as much as uh, we've got the bone to pick with their policies. Well, what we've got going on is, is really Stalinism. That's what Stalin did in the Soviet Union. He, he uh, targeted all of his enemies, and he uh, eliminated them, literally. Uh, these people on the left, the, Dem- the Democrats, they want to eliminate their opposition, you and me. They want to eliminate conservatives. So they've come up with this word, disinformation. And uh, they're supported by the media. The media is in the pocket of the Democratic Party. And they're saying that, that Republicans, that Trump and Republicans are spreading disinformation. And disinformation is it's when you know something is false and you put it out there anyway, that's disinformation. But what we're, you know, what we're talking about is not disinformation. The information in America on its knees that's not disinformation. It's factual. It's truth. But if Biden has his way, he's, he's going to have all of that labeled as, as, a, uh, as something we need to get rid of. It's disinformation. But you see, it's all a big lie. It's, it's a big con job being done on the American public. And unfortunately, uh, the media is in, is, is in on it. Uh, our teachers, the teachers are in on it. Uh, higher education, Harvard and Yale, they're in on it. Um, Hollywood is in on it. And now even big tech is in on it. They, they, want to, they want everybody to believe that anything that is in disagreement with what the left is putting out, what Biden is putting out, that that is disinformation. You see how insidious that is? That's, that's right out of the Stalinist playbook. Yeah, I, I constantly find myself reminding my listeners, uh, not that I need to, because usually the the folks that listen, at least on the regular, are well aware. But uh, the Orwellian novel 1984 was intended to be a warning, not an instruction manual. But that's where the American <laughs> political left has us right now. Uh, I, I mentioned that because what we have seen with this Buffalo shooter, uh, you know, ordinarily – when something like this happens, before the bodies are cold, we see the leftist uh, activists and we see the Democratic office holders that are all about gun control out there on social media and in front of cameras and in front of microphones talking about how they need the next round of gun control. But something that was a little different this time, we still got the gun control message, but this time there were immediate calls for censorship. There was immediate calls for shutting down uh, big tech uh, as far as their availability to write conservative right-wing conservative voices uh they've been going nuts about the fact that elon musk wants to buy twitter even though elon musk is not a right-winger by any choice they are working to red pill him uh, themselves he just wants to get back to a down the middle let's have uh, everybody on the platform so maybe we can make it profitable but in this effort it brings up the question of which surprises you more ed the level of corruption in the Biden administration and in the Biden family or 
the lengths to which the mainstream legacy media and big tech are willing to go to cover it up? Well, none of it surprises me because it's been going on now long enough that I've, I've come to just accept it, that these, these people are really out to destroy the country. And, they, and anything goes. You know, the end justifies the means. They will do anything to gain power. And if it means uh, putting all of us in jail, I mean, they've even people have suggested that uh, somebody suggested that the children of Republicans should be taken away from them and put in, you know, like concentration camps, re-education camps. They're actually talking about this sort of thing. Uh, who, who would dream that this would happen in the United States of America? But that's what they're pushing, and uh, we 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 have to stand. That's why I wrote. America on its knees. People have to stand up. We have to, the conservatives, who I believe are a majority of the country, have to stand up for what we believe in. We've got to go to the polls. We've got to, we've got to get the Demo, uh, Democrats out of the Senate and the House, have the Republicans take over, and we've got to put a, a Republican back in the White House. And until we do that, we're at the mercy of all of this craziness. All right, I've got a couple more questions I want to try to get with you before we uh, before we start winding down. So I appreciate your patience. If you'll bear with me just a little longer, Ed, because I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to talk to you again, and I'm getting kind of greedy with your time. I apologize, but uh, one of the uh, things that you talk about in the book too, also, is that. Uh, the leftist political class, you say that they're blind to the consequences of these policies. Uh, is it really a case of these, these folks being blind to these consequences, or is it more a case of a lot of these folks, say your Elizabeth Warrens, for example, your Bernie Sanders, uh, that they just honestly believe that they're above those consequences? They know they're going to happen, but they feel like it's not really going to affect them. Well, you better understand that people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are not your average Americans. They're politicians, and they have their own agenda going. You know, it's all about them. It's not about us. But the average American, I, I, I believe that, that – I don't know. I, maybe I, I, I want to say the majority, but certainly a large percentage of people who have voted Democratic are doing so because they haven't considered – the, the consequences of, of, the, of their actions and, and what will happen if they, vote the, if they continue to vote these people in, because the, the eventual consequences are Venezuela. I mean, Venezuela, uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, was the most prosperous country in Latin America. And now they're eating their pets. <laughs> they're eating their dogs and cats. I mean, this, and this could very well happen here. Uh, I, I referred to uh, Elizabeth Warren as the, as the political version of Charles Manson. <laughs> I mean, uh, but, but the average person on the street, uh, they think, oh, gee, you know, if we let we, we have to be uh, compassionate and let all these millions of people come into the country. And, and uh, we have to uh, we have to give away things. And we have to give free this and free that. Uh, and we have to defund the police. They don't, they don't spend a minute and think about what will happen if these policies are actually followed through. And, and they, don't, they don't consider the terrible consequences that will ensue for this country if, if the left succeeds. Yeah, yeah I, I do tend to agree with you. The, I think the average American that tends to vote Democrat 
most of them are just slightly left of center. They're they're not these extremist uh, AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar types. And I think a lot of them are still living in that little bubble where they're still trusting CNN, where they're still trusting MSNBC. They're not spending time watching Fox because uh, you've got reliable sources, Brian Stelcher, telling them that Tucker Carlson is super racist, so don't go there. And they believe that because they don't go see for themselves. And there is a major disconnect. I know people here in my neighborhood, Ed, that typically vote Democrat, and I talk to them, and they're good people. They're decent people. They don't believe in a lot of these policies, but there's still this disconnect, and when we talk about it, it's suddenly like uh, for a few moments their eyes are opened, and then for a few more moments later they're like, okay, I don't want to know this because I've been supporting it for so long I can't be wrong. But uh, Yeah, they're brainwashed. Yeah. And then, and then you have all these younger folks, too. And, and in their case, they're soft-hearted, and they've had bad instruction. Uh, they've been indoctrinated. But the real uh, disadvantage they have is they still remain in a uh, a state of a glorious lack of life experience. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way I try to elevate that. Uh, one more uh, question before we start winding down. And, and I want you to know I absolutely agree with you on this point. But you say that so-called progressivism is a religion. In your own words, explain why you say that. Well, uh, it's, it's a religion because uh, they, they act like you're not allowed to criticize them. If, if you disagree with them, you're evil. It's no longer a question of, you know, you have this view and I have that view. Now it's good against evil. And, and they see us as being evil. And... and uh, that has taken on I, – I compare it to Islamic fundamentalism. Uh, it, it's, it's the same thing. They demand complete obedience from their followers. Uh, there is absolutely no room for the possibility of criticism. And uh, that, that kind of thing is very, very dangerous, particularly when it infl- infiltrates the political realm. And we have uh, in our political realm right now – People who regard you and me as being evil people because we disagree with them. That's, that's, that's very sick, and it's very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ed, I, obviously uh, I'm going to have to uh, let you – Go. I, I hate to, though, because I've enjoyed our conversation, and good conversations always go by way too fast. But before uh, we say our goodbyes, is there – I mean, clearly, there's a whole lot more in the book. I mean, we barely scratched the surface, and we've covered a lot of good stuff. And I, I'm, again, amazed at how well you put together the arguments, all of the documentation you include, uh, a plethora of great quotes from thought leaders and from political pundits as well to help support the case and to blow apart the leftist argument against it. Is there any other thing that you want uh, the listeners to know that is part of this book that should draw them in to go pick up a copy if they haven't already ordered a copy of America on its knees? Yeah, I want them to understand that it's their future that we're talking about. And, and if they don't understand the, the concepts that I, that I have in my book, then the left is going to succeed. We have to stop the left. We have to stop the Democratic Party. And I hope everybody goes out and reads America on its knees, because I think once they, once they see it and, and see, that, you know, see it concretely and they'll say, yes, okay, now I get it. 
Now I understand why CNN and CNN, MSNBC, why they've been lying to me. But, you know, it's hard to find. There are very few places, like my book, where you can go and, and, and be subjected to the truth. Yeah. So I want people to read the truth. It's in my it's in my book. It's all true. And as you say, I back it all up. Uh, you know, it's not just my opinion. Um, I, I deal with facts. You know, I, I believe in evidence. I believe in common sense. And uh, I, I believe my book is imbued with with those things, with uh, with facts and reality. So uh, people need need to read. By the way, you know, I I had. Uh, you talk about my career as a negotiation expert. Uh, I had a, a top New York literary agent, and I was published by two of the top New York liter- uh, uh, publishing companies. As soon as they found out that I was a conservative, they dropped me. Mm. And uh, I had to go and self-publish this book because the, the uh, literary establishment will not touch conservative writers it's a it's another form of censorship and in this case it's the private sector working in cahoots with the democratic party to to censor conservative thought and uh that's that's why my that's why my book has been self-published and why i i we got to get the message out there and i got to get people to buy this book and read the book and understand what's going on yeah, absolutely. I can't agree more. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, that's the most insidious part of what we've seen under Biden-Harris. They've figured out that uh, they can have kind of a, a work around the Constitution as far as what the government is allowed to censor compared to how they can pressure private companies to do so. But the worst part is there's a lot of leftist CEOs now, a lot of folks that have been through college, that have been indoctrinated. So they're not having to put that much pressure on that many people. Uh, we, we see it everywhere from uh, what's happening predecessing in Twitter uh, and Facebook all the way down to Disney. It's absolutely ridiculous. So you're absolutely right. Let's get everybody out here, order at least one copy, and I promise you it makes a great gift too. Let's get some extra copies. Uh, and please let everybody know where they can find the book and uh, uh, any other websites you want to share. And if you're still active on social media, which I know you are in a few places because that's where we uh, keep in touch at, uh, if you're willing to put that out there, uh, share your handles as well. Yeah, well, I have a new website. It's called edbrodopolitics.com, E-D-B-R-O-D-O-W, politics.com. Um, the book is available on Amazon. Just go to Amazon. It's called America on Its Knees, The Cost of Replacing Trump with Biden. And um, I am on Facebook, and I'm on LinkedIn, and you can find me there. Um, I, I do a lot of posting, especially on on Facebook, uh, try to get the word. Trying to get the word out. All right. Well, Ed, again, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you back on. I greatly appreciate your time, especially with everything you're doing. And I know I've said this the last four times you've been on. Uh, I really need to to schedule a time to to sit down and talk with you and just talk about your career in Hollywood because I talked about your negotiating uh, career earlier. <laughs> but uh, most people don't know. Uh, look up Ed Brodal in uh, the. Uh, 
the annals of Hollywood. He is a Hollywood actor, proper bona fide, and uh, been in some pretty good stuff. I, I've I've came across some of the stuff you've done just recently, which why I thought it was so cool that out of the blue uh, you had reached out to me the other day. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's that's not coincidence. That's divine providence. That was God telling me that I'm about to talk to Ed again, and I was so proud. Ed, keep up all the great work. Don't let up. We need more voices like yours, not fewer. And uh, I've got your back in this as much as I can. I'm going to help promote it as much as I can. I, I, all my social media profiles, I'm sharing the links to the book. Uh, I, I just I love what you're doing. I've loved ever since In Lies We Trust. That's when I first came across your stuff. And then I went back and started reading uh, the, uh, the negotiation boot camp stuff. And, man, you are, you are the renaissance man. We need more of you. And less of Joe Biden. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You're very kind. Love you. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, have a, a great evening, sir. And again, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Ed Brodal. All right. And that was my conversation with Ed from just a few days ago. Quick reminder once again, you can find the uh, replay of just that interview in video format over at Rumble. And now you can also find it at YouTube and BitChute. And it will be available on Odyssey as soon as Odyssey completes its sync with the YouTube channel. So uh, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, lots of crazy stuff going on. We'll talk a little bit more about some of these other uh, things going on in hour number two, which is coming up in just a few moments. So if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. But if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, uh, the show gets broken up into one hour bits. So uh, I'm going to have to say goodbye to some of you right now. Remember to tune back in again tomorrow at the same time to get to hear hour number two of today's broadcast. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Come join me at Locals.com. Join the Tap Into the Truth community. And uh, a quick message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go.
couldn't say when, she couldn't say how, she couldn't say why. He was different in her eyes. Saw them years ago. Is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. And politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, is there enough insanity going on around the world for us to just keep talking about it? We got Biden out of the country, uh, of course, doing Biden things. We have health scares. This time, surprisingly enough, not having to do with COVID-19, although they're still trying to keep COVID-19 alive. It's something scary, scary. Uh, we've got breaking, damaging testimony going on uh, discussing Hillary Clinton's active role in perpetrating the Russian collusion hoax. Yeah, let's talk about some of those things. I think that's probably enough to keep us busy for this second hour. And this is, in fact, the second hour of a live broadcast that took place on Sunday, May the 22nd, 2022. 
that's, of course, for the benefit of those of you listening on terrestrial radio or if you're a few days late getting to the podcast, whichever may be the case. Back in the first hour, had a very good conversation with a good friend and author, Mr. Ed Brodal, and uh, he, of course, is a negotiation expert, world-renowned as such. He was a legitimate Hollywood actor for quite a while, and uh, now he's found himself uh, mitigating his authorship into the realm of conservative political thought. His fourth and latest book just released this month, America on Its Knees. Check out the show description for a link that will take you to Amazon where you can purchase a copy. And by all means, uh, if you feel so inclined, uh, don't stop at just one. Makes a great gift. Okay, Uh, let's take a look at some of this stuff. Uh, You know, one of the biggest things we've got going on in the country right now is this ridiculous level of inflation. Uh, Inflation that uh, Joe Biden and all of the Biden-Harris administration continues to refuse to acknowledge that they have played even the slightest role in. Well, you know what might be helpful there, uh, creepy, handsy, feely Uncle Joe, barely there, Beijing Biden, sir? (laughs) It sounds funny to add, sir, at the end there. If maybe the federal government stops spending uh, so much freaking money. Uh, two big spending stories come along. Uh, Biden signed this $40, uh, $40 billion aid package uh, that came in front of him in an effort to send more aid to Ukraine and also now somehow managed to include something to do with uh, baby formula. Uh, the baby formula situation is so bad that we are now receiving Uh, Lots of baby formula from Europe, although for some strange reason, it's still not going to make it onto the shelves anytime soon. wonder what that strange reason is. Oh, because we have logistical issues here in the States? Logistical issues that are exacerbated by a less than stellar workforce, Uh, not the fact that those that are actually showing up for work aren't doing the best they can, but let's just say that a lack of people actually being there is making it a lot harder on the folks that are doing a good job or a great job or a fantastic, phenomenal job, but their efforts look far less impressive when the next pair of hands that are supposed to do their job either aren't there or are there but probably shouldn't be. Because the company had to hire somebody with less qualifications or less of a work ethic due to the fact that they had no other options. Not that the Biden administration with extended periods of free money would have had anything at all to do with the great resignation or the very sluggish return to work for a good many people who should have already been back in the workforce. I don't know. All that... It's just one of the many less spend a lot of money from the federal government stories that are going on. Uh, of course, that's to be expected when Democrats are in charge, right? When you have both the House and the Senate, <clears throat> excuse me, when you have both the House and the Senate and the White House, a lot of money is going to get spent. Most likely, a lot of money that probably shouldn't be. I don't know how you feel about this story, but the United States government now has ordered 13 million monkeypox vaccines from a European pharmaceutical company after this occurred, after a Massachusetts man became the first American diagnosed with the virus in the pox family in 2022. So they went ahead and ordered 13 million vaccines after one person was confirmed to have it. 
That, of course, is in stark contrast to the sluggish response to COVID-19. I'm sure this is being spun as we're trying to be uh, very proactive. It's money that we need to spend. This past Thursday, Newsweek reported that the U.S. government bought nine—I'm sorry, $119 million worth of vaccines from a biotech company called Bavarian Nordic. They're the ones, of course, that makes the vaccine. And I, excuse me if I feel like I'm being overly critical, but I'm almost surprised at this point that the Biden-Harris administration did enough research to make sure that they were buying the vaccine from the right company. So Bavarian Nordic announced in a press release this past Wednesday that the U.S. Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority uh, happens to be part of the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, Pretty name. Makes you wonder if there's enough bureaucracy present in that operation or not. Anyway, according to the press release, they have exercised the first options under the contract to supply a freeze-dried version of the smallpox vaccine, thus allowing for the first doses of this version to be manufactured and invoiced in 2023 and 2024. Okay, it's May, the fifth month of 2022, meaning we have seven full months and about a week plus at the time of the broadcast before 2023. So if smallpox was to become an issue, wouldn't that kind of, not smallpox, I'm sorry, now no, smallpox would be scary. That's something that we should be worried about. Uh, the monkeypox, if monkeypox was to become an issue, since we already have confirmed cases in the United States now, in 2023 going to be kind of like closing the barn door after the horses have gotten out? Little colloquialism we use down here in these parts of the country. I don't know. This past Wednesday, of course, the Massachusetts Department of Health stated that uh, monkeypox is a rare but potentially serious viral illness that typically begins with flu-like illnesses and swelling of the lymph nodes and then progresses to a rash on the face and body. Most infections last two to four weeks. In parts of Central and West Africa, where monkeypox occurs, People can be exposed through bites or scratches from rodents and small mammals, preparing wild game, or having contact with an infected animal or possibly animal products. The virus does not easily spread between people, according to the data that's available. Uh, Quoting here from the MDH, transmission can occur through contact with body fluids, Monkeypox sores, I, I'm sorry, items that have been contaminated with fluids or sores, clothing, bedding, etc., or through respiratory droplets following prolonged face-to-face contact. Oh, better mask up again, boys and girls. Got to save yourselves from COVID and the monkeypox. Now, based on the findings of the Massachusetts case, And the recent cases that uh, blew up in the UK, which is when we first started hearing about the monkeypox outbreak, 
and how it was spreading in the places it wasn't ordinarily have been previously. And when people first started whispering, oh, no, here comes the next round. Here's the next COVID. Here's the next excuse for government lockdowns. Well, based on those recent cases, clinicians should consider a diagnosis of monkeypox in people who present with an otherwise unexplained rash and, one, traveled in the last 30 days to a country that has recently had confirmed or suspected cases of monkeypox, two, report contact with a person or people with confirmed or suspected monkeypox, or three, is a man who reports sexual contact with other men. Because, you know, monkeypox seems to like attacking homosexual men. Yeah, they said it, not me, okay? But here's what I'm saying. This is absolute uh, suspicious, absolutely suspicious. And the reason why I find it suspicious is because the timing is just right for them to spend some money and seem to have a good reason for it, for us to have a potential health risk that could require people to, you know, avoid one another, avoid personal contact, so as to revive some of the alternative voting methods that had been permitted in a lot of places, in many cases illegally so, because they never took the time to change the voting methods in a legal fashion. As in the upcoming midterm elections, like we saw in the previous presidential elections, which has led to the rise of uh, movies like 2,000 Mules having some legitimate questions. You know, Dinesh D'Souza is uh, trying to make sure that folks understand what happened. Now, uh, there's a lot of critics out there in the movie, too, that say that they don't uh, paint a full picture uh, and, and I'm talking about critics on the right, uh, not critics on the left. Obviously, there's going to be plenty of critics on the left that's going to try to debunk it. And they're going to use uh, falsehoods and uh, narratives that don't quite stand up to scrutiny to just try and dismiss it offhand. Whereas a lot of conservatives are like, well, does this really demonstrate that uh, these harvested ballots were, in fact, illegal? Now, I'll go back and tell you that if they're using these drop-offs that are unsupervised – then those are illegal votes regardless. And even if the votes had been legitimate, had they been cast in a different fashion, uh, since when do we suddenly make all these allowances? In a state that went through the official, formal, legal process of making those changes, okay, fair enough, you guys did it. I hope you learned your lesson about how easily these can be manipulated like this. But in a place where they didn't go through the legal uh, steps required to make these changes, then they shouldn't count any of them, I, no matter how legitimate the votes would have been otherwise. Do the voting the way you're supposed to do the voting. That's the only way that a vote is a legitimate and legal vote, period. I, I don't know why that's such a hard concept for so many people to grasp. Are you thwarting the will of the people? No, but the will of the people should have had a strong enough will to show up and vote the right way. That's all I'm saying. And, of course, all the left is saying is, They want control. How do I know that they want control? Well, let's take a look at what's happening in Oklahoma, shall we? A Democratic state legislature in Oklahoma is now formally suggesting, recommending that they move forward legislation 
that men should get mandatory vasectomies. Uh, this, of course, in response to another bill banning abortion from the moment of conception. At a meeting of the Oklahoma State Legislature this past Friday, Democratic Representative Mickey Dollins suggested that members of the legislature who support the abortion law, uh, that would be House Bill 4327, if you're uh, part of Oklahoma's uh, political culture, well, that they should consider another bill he planned to introduce, which would mandate that young men in the state receive vasectomies once they reach puberty that could only be reversed when they are deemed financially and emotionally responsible. Dollins initially made the suggestion on Twitter uh, this past Thursday in a thread attacking the House Bill 4327, saying, One of my fellow legislatures plans to introduce a bill, HB 4327, that would define life as the moment of fertilization, making it a homicide to abort even a small cluster of cells. What if we take it further and mandate that every male has to have a vasectomy until they are deemed financially and emotionally responsible? Or call the use of condoms uh, premeditated murder, using a personal interpretation of religion to legislate human bodies is wrong and leads us down a dangerous path. Yes, uh, Dollins is a, such a thought leader. But it's about control. And it's about trying to establish control. If you won't let us do what we want to do, we're just going to be angry. Angry all the time. Well, okay, be angry all you want. There's not much I can do to help you with that. Short of, uh, you know, short of telling you that uh, keep your anger where it belongs. Work to control yourself. Work to, to stop being uh, such a, uh, a sore loser as far as that's concerned. I mean, we're living in a time where the Democrats are really, really starting to lash out because they're losing in the culture war. Why are they losing in the culture war? Because conservatives are finally standing up and starting to fight back in the culture war. The ideas, we have said this a multitude of times, when it comes to whether you're talking about Republican Party politics or if you're just talking about conservative ideology, when you're talking about conservative ideology and this country, our ideas win when we present them correctly. The Republican Party has had a horrible messaging uh, capability. They're terrible at it. They don't, uh, they don't fight back. They accept what the left has to say. They try to use the leftist language to control the argument anyway, instead of just standing up and telling truth. We have some much better fighters in the game right now, and they're not fighting uh, fists and chains and uh, baseball bats and iron pipes on the street. They're fighting in front of microphones, in front of television cameras, on YouTube channels, on podcasts, on radio shows, and they're simply stating facts. And they're refusing to back down, and they're refusing to accept the false precepts, and they're willing to push back against the false precepts. You've gotten to the point where now you literally have people in congressional hearings asking the question, if we were to include an uh, exemption for rape and incest in life of the mother, would you support the bill then? And then the response from the Democrat office holder is, I I'm reclaiming my time. Didn't answer the question, refused to let them speak any further. Why? 
because there is no answer and they know there's no way to win once they are revealed that that's just a red herring in the argument. you got a growing number of Catholic bishops that support Nancy Pelosi being banned from Holy Communion. This is something that should have been happening a long time ago. And Nancy's not the only one. A certain Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. needs to be up there along with every other so-called religious practitioner that has been pushing for the continued murder of pre-born human children. You got Kamala Harris out there saying overturning Roe opens the door to restriction, uh, restricting contraception and marriage rights. And no – alone it does not although i what i will tell you is it should open the door for a lot of topics that have no business being at the federal level being removed from the federal level and to go back to the states now does that include same-sex marriage yes it does so would that include restricting of marriage rights the way the definition i'm sorry not the definition the way the democrats would define that sure but that's not really what happens. Go back to fighting that fight in the states. It was a fight they were winning. State by state, they were winning. More and more states were recognizing same-sex marriage. All the, and that's the one they're talking about. What, what are we really, really talking about? We're talking about the left not at all happy that they're losing control. And they're willing to lash out in any fashion that they can to try and regain that control. Rather absurd, but that's where we're at. Let's go ahead and take the uh, mid-hour break, and uh, we'll continue right after this. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth. Regime leader Joe Biden wants to send hundreds of U.S. troops to Somalia, but is absolutely not interested in protecting we the people from the United States southern border invasion. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, it is most frustrating to witness regime leader Biden and Congress get away with dereliction of duty. They remind me of government school educators who no longer properly instruct students, but instead indoctrinate students against their God-given sex and stunt them intellectually. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution states that Congress is to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. So far, with the exception of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and a few others in Congress, there has been almost no worthy effort by Congress or the Biden regime to stop the awful global invasion of over 1.5 million illegal border crossers streaming into our republic through the southern border since October of 2021. It is my opinion that government officials should be relieved of their duties if... Their policies undermine the safety and security of our republic, such as Biden's has done with his open borders policy. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, 
Go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. And that is Mr. Ron Edwards. Please visit theronedwards.com for the latest that he's got going on. And uh, stop by and give a listen to the Ron Edwards American Experience, his radio show, of which I will be uh, joining him uh, today. Today being Sunday, May the 22nd, 2022. Uh, All right, so uh, here's a question for you. Do you know anybody who's about to get married? Maybe you're about to get married. Maybe you're not officially engaged yet, but you're planning on it. You got high hopes. You're, you feel confident you're, you're going to have that significant other say yes to you. All right, well, then here's what you need to go ahead and do. Uh, if it's you, get yourself on over to honeyfund.com and uh, sign yourself up for a page. Uh, go ahead, do it now. Uh, if you know someone who's going to get engaged or who just recently became engaged, recommend to them that they go visit honeyfund.com and uh, just take a look for themselves. Financing, funding their honeymoon, your honeymoon, is literally Honey Fund's business. Uh, honeymoon expenses, they can be pretty expensive, whether you're traveling or whether it's just a hotel stay, whatever it is you may do it. Shoot, these days, uh, trying to uh, drive to a relatively nearby location can require extra cash just to put in the gas tank. Uh, thank you, uh, Brandon. But uh, whether that's the case for you or not, by all means, boogie on over to honeyfun.com and just check it out. And trust me, like I said, it's their business. They are the most trusted honeymoon registry on the planet, and you can use them for other type of uh, savings goals for your brand new life together, like trying to save up for the down payment of a new home, uh, things of that nature. And man, oh man, that's a scary (laughs) prospect right now too, isn't it? Anyway, you're probably going to need help. Uh, Honey Fund puts cash in your hands from your contributors, those people that are going to go over to your page and help you fund everything you It is a fantastic uh, company. Uh, Mr. Wonderful himself is a uh, a major investor. And uh, just in uh, full transparency, I do own a very tiny amount of an equity stake in Honey Fund as well. So I do stand to gain a little bit if you visit. But I still highly recommend you at least go check it out. That's why I'm not doing the hard sell. Just go visit, see for yourself, and check out their track record. Uh, It's an amazing company doing amazing things. Also... If you're a lot like me, you look around, you see what's going on in the realm of the body politic, and you can't help but feel just a little dirty. It's getting pretty warm out there, too, so maybe you're getting a little hot and sweaty as you're planning to get ready for that uh, wedding. You know what'll help you out to get feeling clean again? Well, my friends over at Hero Soap, that's uh, that's what's going to go a long way. Go visit Hero Soap. There's a link in the show description that will take you there that will let them know that I'm the one that sent you. Uh, they do still offer the subscriptions, and I, I still love that. That's great wordplay. And uh, when you sign up for subscriptions, you end up also uh, helping them to contribute to other worthwhile entities. They are uh, one of the more... America first companies you're going to run into. They source everything they can in the United States and the things they use that can't be sourced in the United States. They utilize American companies to do the sourcing. 
They also make contributions to charities that help our uh, retired veterans, our active duty soldiers, our first responders that are currently in uniform, all of our heroes in uniform. Uh, They work to help them as well. So this is a company that you can feel pretty good about doing anything at all with them. But trust me, they've got some awesome products, and I am still digging my forest green stuff. Just fantastic stuff. Feel like I'm in the wilderness, uh, legitimately. And they don't use uh, harsh, fake perfumes. They use all natural essential oils uh, and just all natural ingredients for uh, everything they make. So they're just a fantastic company all the way around. Uh, Go visit Heroes Soap, and uh, please use the link in the show description, or come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. And uh, from there, scroll down past recent guests and uh, visit some of those banners. You can click on the banners or the various buttons to a wide variety of folks, including the newest... And here's a, here's one I wasn't planning on including, but I just realized I need to. Brand new, uh, if you are somebody that's thinking about starting a business but you don't know the best route for incorporating your LLC, visit Inc. Authority. That's I-N-C Authority. I'll, I'll go ahead and include a link uh, in the show description for them as well. Uh, there, the services they offer is completely free to you. The only thing you end up paying is the actual filing fees in the state in which you incorporate. And uh, they are every bit as good as some of their better-known, bigger-named competitors. So uh, just go uh, visit there and check it out for yourself. And again, use the links in the show description, please. That's how they know that I sent you. Now, let's get back to action. I got two stories I want to get to uh, before we close things down here. And I'm Pressing hard against the time. Number one, former top Hillary Clinton lieutenant Robbie Mook did his old boss new favors. Uh, I'm sorry, did his old boss no favors <laughs> when it came to his visit to court this past Friday. He literally was testifying that Clinton knew that the Alpha Bank claims lacked solid evidence while also reading into evidence a Clinton tweet thought to be barred from admission to the trial. Mook testified in a federal court in Washington, D.C., in the trial of cybersecurity attorney Michael Sussman. Sussman is accused of lying to top FBI officials during the September 2016 meeting in which he made false claims about a purported back channel between the Trump Organization and Russia's Alpha Bank. During the 2016 presidential election, Mook served as former Clinton's campaign manager. Sussman was then an attorney at Perkins Cole, which contracted with the Clinton campaign as its general counsel. During this Friday testimony, Mook said that Clinton herself approved sharing the false claims against the Trump Organization and former President Donald John Trump with the media. Now, Mook also said uh, that at the time, the campaign knew the evidence against Trump was shaky. That's how he put it. But campaign officials thought that a reporter could investigate and potentially substantiate the claims. He said that he discussed the issue at the time with campaign chairman John Podesta, senior policy advisor Jake Sullivan, and communication director Jennifer Palomari. 
Luke also ran the plan by Clinton, who signed off pushing the conclusion, I'm sorry, pushing the collusion claims despite the relatively weak evidence. Luke said that he and other top campaign officials agreed not to alert the FBI to claims because of the shaky basis. Quote, I discussed it with Hillary as well. I don't remember the substance of the conversation, but notionally, the discussion was, hey, we have this, we want to share it with the reporter. She agreed. Now, the administration speaks to special counsel John Durham's theory in the case, saying, quote, it posits uh, that uh, the false Alpha Bank claims were pushed by the Clinton campaign in order to hurt her political opponent at the time, that being Donald John Trump. The theory continues that Sussman lied to the FBI in order to spark an investigation that could make the Alpha Bank story more palatable to the press. At another point in the testimony, Mook also read off an October 31st, 2016 tweet from Clinton's account Featuring a statement from Sullivan was, at that time, her senior policy advisor. The tweet and statement was touting a story from Slate that had come out earlier that day reporting on the alleged connection between the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank. Now, Clinton, Hillary, in a tweet said, quote, computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump, the Trump organization to a Russian banked bank. Now, uh, Mook testified that he did not know if Clinton drafted the tweet herself. The Clinton tweet was thought to be excluded from the trial. Uh, Judge Christopher Cooper had blocked the tweet from coming in as evidence in pretrial arguments between prosecutors and defense attorneys. Cooper allowed the tweet into evidence on Friday, however, after Mook read it off to the jury. Mook testified that the Slate story bolstered the campaign's belief in the Alpha Bank claims because they took the publication of the story to mean its details had been vetted by a news outlet. Translation, I'm desperately trying to cover my backside here, but realistically, we knew all along that it was suspect at best. You know what else is suspect? Anything to do with Hillary Rodham Clinton. I mean, how how very suspect do you have to be? I I don't know about you, but as soon as I hear her name, question marks start arising in my mind about whatever is about to be said next. I, I have little doubt that there is this level of insanity that uh, permeates our political uh, our political body here in the United States. There's also no shortage of unscrupulous behavior, unscrupulous. Uh, desires to to win at any cost. This idea of integrity uh, has become a joke in the body politic, at least to people like them. So are we going to see any level of accountability for Hillary Rodham Clinton? Nah, you, you, if you're holding your breath for that, forget about it. It ain't happening. 
Too many people going to disappear and die between now and then. Too many people going to commit suicide between now and then. It's just not going to happen. Hillary is going to shuffle off this mortal coil well before anybody's going to have enough guts to seriously come after her. They will go after Bill before they go after Hillary, and that's only if Hillary can make sure that she can insulate herself from whatever damage Bill could possibly do to her to try to take her down with him. She's a Rodham. One of the founding members of the Bilderberger Group. Let me uh, let me uh, go ahead and put my tinfoil hat on real good so you guys can see it. That's who we're talking about. That's who we're dealing with. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Yada, yada, yada. But will we see some level of accountability? Will Sussman end up facing some serious consequences? Well, they might be serious for somebody who's trying to practice law, but I'm still, I would be shocked if we see anything much more than a uh, temporary disbarment. I would be really surprised if we see anything more than perhaps uh, a little bit of time having to perform some community service. And even if you get that far down the road, that seems to be way outside of the realm of what's likely. Now, if anybody's going to pay a price, somebody like Sussman certainly fits the bill. Some little sacrificial lamb so that everybody feels like they had their pound of flesh and nobody has to keep looking up the uh, chain of command to eventually come to the people that are actually responsible for what happened. You'll even notice in the testimony itself, there's a lot of CYA mentions of, well, we, we were led to believe that this was possibly real, and we had faith. We believed in the mainstream legacy media out there that instead of just uh, rubber stamping whatever we wanted them to, to, to say about Donald Trump, that, that they would actually uh, investigate it and if they were to write something, they would be substantiating our claims. Well, then they wouldn't even be our claims. It would be their claims. They've substantiated the story, and then, of course, we would happily spread that story around. But knowing that there was next to nothing there, they make it almost seem like something reasonable for Hillary Clinton to say, yeah, let's do it. You know, I, I've got full integrity. I'm trying to be as honest as possible. And if I honestly believe that the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist is really in cahoots with the Russians, and this is how they're doing it, then we would be remiss if we didn't put that story out there. But I'm sorry, guys. I think we've kind of missed the point when you say you didn't want to turn it over to the FBI because you didn't know how true it was, when it really should have been, if you had any reason to believe it at all, the FBI who you should have reached out to instead of the media. Isn't that how that's supposed to work? Maybe I'm confused on that matter. Maybe I'm a little off track. I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I lose my place, right? Sometimes I do my impersonation of Joe Biden and start uh, – and then uh, 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 ice cream. Yeah, maybe I do that. Maybe that's what I'm doing right now. I don't know. But at the moment, I kind of think that that's how that's supposed to work. And I tend to believe that if they honestly thought they had something that could stand up to scrutiny, 
It would not have been some friendly media outlet who would have had first dibs at this story. It would have been the FBI who would be able to turn this over if they thought there was a legitimate threat to national security represented by a Trump candidacy possibly ending in a Trump victory. In fact, I'm sorry, boys and girls, but if there was a threat to national security, weren't they actually legally required to inform the FBI regardless of what they did as far as leaking this to the media? Didn't they technically violate a law? Now, now I could be wrong on this one legitimately. I could be, but I'm pretty sure there is a law that says once you know something to be the case that you're expected to make that contact. And if you believe in it enough that you're willing to turn that loose with the media, shouldn't you have believed in it enough to say, uh, hey, guys, we don't know how true it is. We've come across this during our opposition research. That's what this is from, by the way. It's opposition research. So, you know, treat it uh, as such. You know, be completely upfront about it. I mean, I know total honesty and integrity uh, associated with a Clinton campaign of any kind seems like a silly notion. But, hey, I'm just saying, if you want to look above board, if you want to avoid the appearance of impropriety, shouldn't that have been the play? And isn't there an actual audit? If they believed it was actually legitimately uh, a thing that could be happening, weren't they supposed to report that to the FBI? I don't know. That's just something I'm playing with. Okay, another quick uh, thing that I wanted to touch on before the end of today's broadcast, and we are quickly running out of time. Let me play this uh, clip. It's slightly edited, but this is from Bill Maher. And take a listen to this. And finally, new rule. If something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. (laughs) I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant, what profession? <laughs> In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights... The ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. 
but someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. All right, so I got the clip off right there. And I did edit out just a small portion of one of his jokes. It was very visual because uh, this, of course, was over on Real Time, the HBO show, uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. And he told a joke about a chair. So if you haven't seen the clip, I would advise you. And it extends a bit longer. He makes a solid rant, but he makes some really good points. And I find myself once again in that area where I start to get a little nervous when I find myself in agreement with Bill Maher. But uh, let's let's look at the article a little bit here uh, before we go back into that. Now, the real-time host Bill Maher uh, unloaded on the strident pro-transgender movement uh, in the uh, Friday night episode of his recent broadcast. Uh, in the rant, uh, he once again underscored that the, the literal, liberal personality's pension for calling out the left's sacred cows. He, in other words, he's not afraid to step up and, and say something. And one of the reasons why I think I would actually like Bill Maher, I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. But I think he's somebody that can be respected because he does stand by his principles and he stands up to the folks on the left just as much as he does to the right. Actually, these days, it seems like, especially here lately, more to the left than he does to the right because he's finding himself in agreement with uh, folks that tend to be a little more conservative. So while he was praising tolerance for adults who reject their biological gender, Mark questioned why so many children seem to be getting encouraged to become trans and said that it should be okay to ask questions about the relatively new social phenomenon, saying, quote, if something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have at least to discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. Now, you heard that part of the clip. He cited recent Gallup polls, and Mars noted that less than 1% of Americans born before 1946 identified as LGBT. Now, according to the poll, 2.6 of baby boomers considered themselves LGBT, 4.2% of Gen Xers, 10.5% of millennials, and now 20.8% of Gen Zers consider themselves LGBT. Now, of course, that's when he cracked his little joke about following the trajectory, uh, then we should all be gay by 2054. But he, he makes the point that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask what's going on. Technically, he said, what's up with that? He asked, are all the babies in the wrong bodies? Now, you, you heard all that from the clip. Now, LGBT activists and hard leftists consider any questioning about transgenderism and children to be hateful, even when parents object to chemical and surgical castration of children. Uh, Marr insisted that people have a right to wonder what's going on and should not be silenced by accusations of the LGBT activist. He said, quote, someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. Now, that's where I left that quote. But he also said some other things as it went on. He said, and it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right. Trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. 
because we're literally experimenting on children. Marr noted that Sweden and Finland no longer allow puberty blockers to be administered to children and said that common sense suggests there's going to be problems when doctors try to reverse the course of raging hormones. Now, many conservatives believe that uh, child transgender phenomenon is being encouraged in a nature versus, I'm sorry, in a nurture versus nature effort that damages children who are confused or simply going through natural phases. Marr wondered during this little uh, rant why it is common for families in Los Angeles to have transgender children and likely not common in Youngstown, Ohio. Quoting here, if this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Marr asked, either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there was some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. Now, I'm sorry, but uh, as a conservative, this feels very unnatural, but here's my response to Bill Maher on this whole rant of his, other than some of the jokes that were in it that kind of go back against conservatism. But, uh, uh, Bill, here you are. Here's my response to you. A slow clap from the back that I hope is going to pick up some speed because Bill Maher is absolutely correct in his assessment here from the point that we can't just be told to shut up by the activist and then just shut up. He's correct in his assessment that it is an oddity, an unnatural oddity that something like this that is counterproductive to the biological hardwiring of any species on this planet would suddenly be the primary uh, focal point of the existence of the species. If you can show me any other species uh, on this planet that does not have as its primary objective procreation – then I will then start to rethink my whole process on this. But until you can do that, I'm going to expect you to spend a few moments to re-examine where your thought process is on this matter. We're abusing these children, and it's all because of an effort to, as Mar says himself, to strike a blow in the culture wars and using children as cannon fodder. And what makes it worse is nine times out of ten – Parents of these children are the ones that are utilizing their children to uh, strike this blow. They're the ones that are fighting for it. They want to have trans kids. It's just a few broadcasts removed from my conversation with, uh, with Walt Hollyer, where we discussed the fact that there's no such thing as trans children. In fact, he he literally goes far enough to say, all right, the word trans, what it actually means, if you're going to use actual hard language, there's no such thing as transgender anyway because you simply can't change your gender. Just simply can't do it. Now, naturally, there's been a lot of backlash, uh, activists and folks that are on the left pushing hard against Bill saying that Bill Maher, once again, he sees that hornet's nest and he pokes it, but he, he's 
also very smart in this because he recognized where the trend is going in the country. A lot of parents are starting to wake up to how little control that they are being given when it comes to raising their children if they have their kids in public schools. And they're also seeing the hypocrisy of a lot of these uh, educators that are standing up to protect trans and then they're being discovered with child pornography on their computers. They're being found in sexual relationships with these children they're supposed to be teaching and mentoring. We continue to see things like in Loudoun County, Virginia, where they're trying to sue uh, to stop the investigation, the criminal investigation into their cover-ups of a sexual assaults that were occurring in their schools so that they could continue to push the transgender bathroom issue. Look, at some point, we are going to have to return to common sense. And if we don't, it will be the end of us all. And common sense is, can be a frightening concept if you're one of these people living on the fringe. Now, I get it. If you're a teenager or a young 20s, then part of your job, literally part of your job description while you're testing your boundaries and discovering who you are is to literally find anything that your parents or grandparents did and rebel against it. And that's part of how you learn that those things weren't quite so bad. I mean, maybe some of them are. Lots of things we've moved past. But that's also how you learn to value conservative values feel like I'm being a little redundant there. Poor word use. I apologize. But the point remains. There's a reason why if you look throughout the last several generations, there's a reason why when we're youngest, we're at our most liberal. It goes back to what I constantly keep referring to as a glorious lack of life experience. Until life has smacked you upside the head a few times and you learn some lessons the hard way and you got some folks in your life that love you enough to give you the tough love to let you learn the hard way, to let you sink or swim, to let you solve some of your own problems, let you dig out of your own holes until you have those things happen. And then you come to realize that, yes, you can, as long as government will get out of your way and left-leaning morons will shut up and leave you alone to your own devices, then you discover that there was a lot of value and a lot of wisdom in the things that have come before, in the things that stand the test of time. These things are important for a reason. They exist for a reason. If you are walking through the woods somewhere and you come across this barbed wire and you're like looking around and you don't see a reason for the barbed wire, you don't just cut it down. You try to find out what it's there for. Now, maybe there's no longer a need for it, but maybe there still is, and you just don't know because you just got there. Your glorious lack of life experience. Take some time to find out some things. Learn a few facts. Discover some truths beyond your own because your subjective truth doesn't always equate to the real, honest, uh, objective truth. Like the idea that objective truth's mere existence is racist, that it is part of the uh, white supremacy, uh, patriarchal uh, power, whatever the the lefties are saying these days. Well, no, there are typically reasons for things that are built up. Now, some things that have been built up, they deserve to be torn down. Now, for a long time, we did have some... uh, 
some ridiculous protections of clearly racist activities. And I, for one, am am glad that we no longer have that going on. I am happy to see that we now have a system set up to fight against racism. And no, Ibram, you don't have to be anti-racist to not be racist. Because anti-racist is actually, well, now you're actually going to be racist, but we're just going to be racist against white people. Uh, Ibram, that's bad. And you're bad. You're a bad man, Abram. You're uh, you're banking and, and trafficking on race baiting, uh, horrific behavior, and you're trying to help stir up stuff so you can make a dollar or two, and so you can be considered relevant, so that your name is the name that gets mentioned when I'm sitting here trying to talk about people that are pushing these bad ideas. You. Ibram Candy have managed to get your name elevated above that of Al Sharpton. And Al Sharpton worked a lifetime at being a race baiting son of a gun. You know, you're 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 usurping his position. I'm sure he's probably not gonna like you, but he's gonna like you about as much as uh he liked Barack Obama when Barack was the hot thing. But the bottom line is what you're pushing is bad. And it does not help to mend the wounds of racial divide, it rips not only the scabs off, but it also starts ripping the wounds further apart, opening them up far further than they were previously. You're making things worse. How about you focus on some positive things? How about you spend some time focusing on, okay, this is how bad it was. Now, let's take a quick look at how it's improved since then to show that we're actually on a good path. And to actually show that the system that has been built is the system that eventually gets to where we need to be when it comes to racial equality. Equity requires you do something to merit the value that is being bestowed upon you. Equity requires, at the very least, a buy-in. And anything that's just freely given, well, it's human nature to devalue that. So let's keep working for a better tomorrow, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to have to be it for today. Thank you once again for being here and listening to the end. I want to remind you to please come join me at Locals.com and join the Tap into the Truth community. I definitely want to start seeing you guys signing up over there. Uh, Join us. There will be some uh, exclusive content for uh, Locals community stuff Uh, starting, uh, well, might start this week, but definitely by next week. Uh, Not promising a whole lot, but there will be some, uh, at least some every week. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for now. Stay away from the monkey pox, everybody. And uh, hey, uh, Joe. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say, bro. Let's go,
gun control is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Amin, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Lessons to your daughters and sons To fear the government that fears your guns Now the new world order crew Well, they're making their demands They don't feel safe if you are wrong You say gun control Is using both hands Using both hands.